lawmakers push for the descheduling of marijuana. A Senate committee advances the nominee to head the National Institutes of Health. And, after weeks of indecision, the U.S. House of Representatives elects a speaker. For the week of October 30th, 2023, from Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., this is Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. I'm Matt Duckworth. I want to say to the American people, on behalf of all of us here, we hear you. We know the challenges you're facing. We, we know that, uh, that there's a lot going on in our country, domestically and abroad, and we are ready to get to work again to solve those problems, and we will. Our Kicking off this week's episode with news from Capitol Hill, where Republicans in the House of Representatives elected Representative Mike Johnson to serve as the Speaker of the House on Wednesday ending a three-week impasse that stalled all legislative work in the chamber. Johnson, a member from Louisiana, was first elected to the House in 2016, having previously worked as a senior counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom and as a former state legislator. The Alliance Defending Freedom was involved in the recent legal case that overturned Roe v. Wade and is now leading the push to restrict access to abortion medication. Johnson himself has sponsored a bill that would ban all abortions past 15 weeks and has signed on as a co-sponsor of legislation to codify the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits the use of federal funds to pay for abortion except to save the life of the mother or if the pregnancy is the result of incest or rape. Johnson previously served as chair of the conservative Republican Study Committee. During this time, he backed a budget proposal to raise the Medicare eligibility age to 67 and to endorse site-neutral payments in the Medicare program. In 2019, he led an effort to replace Obamacare with high-risk pools to roll back Medicaid expansion in favor of per capita caps on the program and to expand the use of health savings accounts. Johnson is a long-standing opponent of gender-affirming care for children and has been critical of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Johnson was one of former President Donald Trump's top allies on the Hill during his efforts to overturn Joe Biden's 2020 presidential election victory. The new speaker is a strong advocate of cutting government spending. While he voted against the most recent continuing resolution, Johnson has indicated that he's open to the next stopgap spending bill extending government funding for as long as five months. Johnson plans to pursue votes on eight spending bills ahead of the November 17th deadline to fund the federal government. If a continuing resolution is needed, Johnson has stated his intent to propose one that expires on January 15th or April 15th to, quote, ensure the Senate cannot jam the House with a Christmas omnibus, unquote. Congress faces an effective April 30th deadline to pass fiscal year 2024 funding, given that the most recent debt ceiling agreement included a provision to subject all discretionary spending to a 1% cut should a continuing resolution still be in place past that date. The House successfully passed its energy and water spending bill by a 210 to 199 vote last week. 
The House is expected to vote on legislative branch, interior environment, and transportation, housing, and urban development appropriations the week of October 30th. Financial Services and Commerce Justice Science the week of November 6th. And Labor, Health, and Human Services Education and Agriculture, Food, and Drug Administration the week of November 13th. This plan would involve skipping committee markup of the Commerce, Justice, Science, and Labor HHS education bills and bringing them straight to the floor. Johnson's plans also involve the establishment of a working group to negotiate the Agriculture FDA bill, which was pulled from floor consideration earlier this year due to Republican infighting over total spending levels and a restriction that would prevent the abortion medication Mifepristone from being dispensed via the mail. Senate appropriators have marked up all 12 of their annual spending bills with bipartisan support and aim to pass their first three-bill minibus comprised of Agriculture FDA, Military Construction Veterans Affairs, and Transportation HUD in the coming days. by the scientific community. I also called some researchers I know. You know people come here, they're so coached. Uh, you have no clue what they really believe and what they think. Uh, I, think they do to, I think they do a disservice to the people who come before us. But I called people who had worked with her or who otherwise were involved with NIH, although outside of the NIH. They spoke of her integrity, her fighting for the underdog, and commitment to intellectual honesty. Shifting to news from the upper chamber today where the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee in the Senate voted to advance the nomination of Dr. Monica Bertinoli to serve as the director of the National Institutes of Health in a bipartisan 15-6 to 6 vote last week. Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders, an independent from Vermont who caucuses with Senate Democrats, voted against the nomination, stating that he was not convinced she is prepared to, quote, take on the greed and power of the drug companies and healthcare industry. Unquote. Earlier in the week, Sanders sent a letter to Christy Grimm, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Inspector General, asking her office to investigate an exclusive patent license granted by the NIH for a cervical cancer treatment. The letter reads, quote, I'm growing increasingly alarmed that not only has the NIH abdicated its authority to ensure that the new drugs it helps develop are reasonably priced, it may actually be exceeding its authority to grant monopoly licenses to pharmaceutical companies that charge the American people, by far, the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs. Unquote. Sanders suggested that the NIH should instead offer non-exclusive licenses so that more companies can manufacture the treatment at a lower cost to patients. Back to the People's House today where the Budget Committee Health Care Task Force held its inaugural member roundtable last week to discuss the Congressional Budget Office's methods for analyzing policies that impact drug development in the United States. Participants discussed how the agency developed its estimates of the Inflation Reduction Act's impact on patient access to cures. The task force aims to ensure that CBO's future analyses capture additional factors and subsequent real-world effects of policies impacting medical innovation across the nation. Necessary oversight to figure out the root causes of this systemic problem. Across Indiana's 6th District, the worst workforce shortage in our hospitals and critical care facilities is leaving patients with fewer options and longer wait times. 
Hospitals are struggling to meet the financial obligations necessary to adequately staff their facilities. More news today, where a group of 100 bipartisan members of the House of Representatives are urging the Biden administration to reconsider its proposed nursing home staffing requirements. The new rule from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services would increase the on-site registered nurse staffing requirement to 24 hours and mandate that nursing homes provide 2.45 hours of care per resident day from nurse aides and 0.55 hours per resident day from registered nurses. The lawmakers, led by Representative Greg Pence, a Republican from Indiana who you just heard, assert that the regulation would result in, quote, limited access to care for seniors, mandatory increases in state Medicaid budgets, and could most consequentially lead to widespread nursing home closures, unquote. means the other things that are said about dangerous drugs and personal behavior is undercut. And we've had this experience in hearings where experts from the administration cannot tell you how many people died from marijuana overdose last year. Spoiler alert, it's zero. Morehouse News today where a bipartisan group of lawmakers have sent a letter urging the Drug Enforcement Administration to pursue a full descheduling of marijuana. The policymakers highlight the federal-state policy gap on cannabis faced by medical practices and other stakeholders. The letter reads, quote, While Congress works to send the President comprehensive cannabis legislation, the urgency of full descheduling should inform DEA's position on overall cannabis reform and appropriate enforcement centered on advancing public safety not just criminalizations, unquote. The letter goes on to say, quote, Marijuana's continued inappropriate scheduling is both arcane and out of touch with the will of the American people, unquote. Today, the Grail test is available, I said, and costs about $1,000 for the blood test. And so there is a part of the population that can take advantage of that test, but a lot of the population just can't take advantage of a test that costs $1,000 each time. And so what we want to do is, is really help Grail by distributing it more broadly and working on getting reimbursement. We at Illumina have a terrific team that's been working. Winding down today, where House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, a Republican from Kentucky, has sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission regarding the agency's handling of Illumina's attempted acquisition of Grail, a cancer test provider. The European Union ordered Illumina to unwind its acquisition of Grail earlier this month, following a similar move by the FTC to block the deal earlier this year. Comer argues that the, quote, collusion between the FTC and EU deserves further scrutiny and requests records of communication between the U.S. regulatory agency and its European counterparts. The letter reads, quote, The FTC's actions set a bad precedent that emboldens foreign governments to attack American businesses. It goes on to say, By deferring to foreign entities' approaches to certain transactions, the FTC is improperly denying U.S. businesses the due process rights they are entitled to before the FTC and American courts. Unquote. Final news today, where the American Academy of Pediatrics released a proposal last week to overhaul how Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program provide health care for the nation's children. The recommendations are aimed at providing more consistent and equitable health insurance coverage 
under the programs across all 50 states. The proposal would combine Medicaid and CHIP into a single program, automatically enrolling all newborns and extending program eligibility to include individuals up to the age of 26, regardless of immigration status. It would also increase the income threshold for eligibility to 400% of the federal poverty level. The American Academy of Pediatrics also suggests, quote, an end to undervalued Medicaid payment with rates at least comparable to prevailing Medicare rates and that support the full range of services needed to provide comprehensive care to children, unquote. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. For more information on this week's healthcare happenings in the administration and on Capitol Hill, you can visit our website at hhs.com and click on the Policy Briefings tab at the top of the page. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, including the Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Did we miss a story you wanted to hear this week? If so, contact us on Twitter at HHSPolicy, and we may include it in our next episode. Have a great week and stay healthy.